And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Yeah, here we are, Wednesday. How are you guys? Um, boy, I had a real dumb dad weekend, Zuckerman. You'll enjoy this, because it, it just highlights how uh, stupid I can be. Uh, and oh, I think I can you, and, I know you, you know, you enjoy those stories. All right. Here's the, here's the first one. Uh, Friday night, as you know, I like to sit in the backyard and light up a cigar, sure. which I did. Bolivar, well, beautiful one. Uh, Bella Cosa um, from this uh, amazing box that was sold to me. And just, it's just pick up a dried dog turd. Suck it, on that. Yeah. You'll never understand. I won't. Uh, and I get it. But, but I'm enjoying myself. Um, um, I'm on next door. I'm surfing car ads. <laughs> Eric is off on a call with her friends or doing something political and the kids are eating dinner. And it's just like a perfect moment and getting ready for a great long weekend. Um, and I go into the kitchen for some reason. The kids are uh, eating dinner and I look over at Jack, uh, my oldest, and his face is flushed like really red and his eyes are very red. And I'm like, hey, dude, you feel OK? And he's like, yeah. And I notice he's got a runny nose. And I'm like, eh, let me take something your, happened. Let me take your temperature. No, no, he looks sick. He looks sick. Okay, I take his temperature. It's ninety nine point seven. I'm like, fuck. Meh. I'm like, okay, all right. Um, you know, it keeps eating, and, and I'm like, hey, I go and talk to the wife. I go, Jack's got a bit of a temperature, and she's like, what is it? I go ninety nine point seven. You know, it's not normal. It's not really a temperature with kids, but it's a temperature. Um, he's not, uh, been up that high. So she goes, thermometer's probably broken. And get another thermometer, take temperature 99.7, right? I'm like, fuck, right? Now he had been at the, to the dentist two days before, right? Which is a place his doctor had recommended kids don't go until things quiet down unless they have to, but things are starting to quiet down here. But still, I'm connecting the dots, Suckerman, right? In your pea brain, but go and ahead. And he is, uh... And he's not, he's like, now he's panicked a little bit. Hey, do I have this thing? His, uh, of course, ingenious 10-year-old form, is, his younger brother goes, ah, you've got COVID-19. And I'm like, hey, that's not something we joke about in this house. But I go, hey, look, I'm going to put my goddamn cigar out and we'll go get tested together. I haven't been tested this week yet. And, and if you have this, you'll be fine. You're young and you'll just end up killing me, right? So we make an appointment. This is 7 o'clock at night, so I come on a Friday before the long weekend to go down right to the hotel. I go, go take a shower, and then uh, and I'll brush my teeth, and we'll go down and do this, right? <laughs> come out. Meet him in the kitchen. He's now terrified. Um, I find a third a thermometer, right? Put it in his mouth, 98.6. And I, and I go, what? And I do it again, 98.6. And I go, hey, did you have pizza in your mouth when I was taking your temperature? He goes, yeah. It was really hot. I was taking the temperature of hot pizza in his mouth, Zuckerman. <laughs> How did you not know? <laughs> he was holding it. I, I don't know. Mm. I just didn't think under the tongue would matter when you're eating hot pizza, but I was taking the Foolishness. temperature of his hot pizza, panicking, believing my panic. He goes, now what do you want to do? My wife is now furious at me. I said, let's just go. Let's just go get get tested. Of course, we get tested. We're we're both negative, and uh, 
first dumb dad moment of the this is what i'm listening to i it, okay it happens to be president's day and i happen to be working because yes. every day is making money day and I like to make presidents yeah. on presidents. But aren't you going to comment on the story I just put well, out there? I'm, I'm the working up the story. to that. That's- I'm working up to that. Yes. I'm working up to that. And I have to say, you sound like a housewife. When you tell this story, I'm listening to you as a housewife. You should be in like some 1950s housewife I, dress. I told you it and, was that. Well, that's very, first of all very misogynist of you to say. But secondly, is it? <laughs> I. I am telling you, I am admitting, I am a dumb dad. This is a dumb dad story. Okay. This dumb dad story. It's very rare that I have dumb dad stories. Okay. You're right. In my house, usually I'm not pulling the fire alarm by mistake. Okay. But this weekend, I pulled it by mistake, and uh, I have to just out myself. Now, did the kid... So the kid's face was red because he had had hot pizza in his mouth. Okay, here's the other thing. He's been... uh, He was writing a program in his room, and he had the door closed and the heat on. <laughs> so he, he was just overheated, and then he was eating hot pizza. So uh, the visual was from the overheating, the pizza incidental, the runny nose, because you know hot pizza makes your nose run. Oh wow! <laughs> this is your Friday night. This is what you had Friday going night. on Friday night. Uh, look, I screwed up our Friday night, and I'm just yeah. I'm owning it to to the audience. I want them to, to uh, look. How uh, many people are going to cancel listening to this? Nobody's going to cancel it because they can all relate to dumb. As I've been telling my friends, other than you, they all tell me their dumb dad COVID story of their panic, the coughs and the overreactions. And we're all kind of panicked as this thing is ending. Mm. Okay. Mm. That's one of two. Second one was yesterday in Targa. Thanks to you, by the way, I heard uh, five words or six words. I don't know what these words that you never want to hear from your kids ever, which is, hey, dad, I want to learn how to fly. No, oh. that's that's not a dumb that's dad been story. That's a great be, dad story. Uh, I'm sorry. What? That, how does that make you a dumb dad? Well, it doesn't. Okay, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't. I'm, I'm, I applaud this, but it's your fault. I know because and you I'm, took uh, young Jack flying in in your plane, and he was a, sitting in the co- anyway. We were down at the airport yesterday. Uh, to listen to air traffic control, which, by the way, is a fun day. I haven't been down to the airport with the kids just to watch planes and listening stuff go on and planes land and the rest of it. And uh, I had the 82, the Targa, and we uh, went down there late afternoon with the top off. Uh, then I was going to throw it in the hangar there so it didn't get dusty to put the Targa top on while he's listening to those things. And I was kind of uh, wrestling with it a little bit. You know when you put on the 82 Targa top mm-hmm. and you push it back, mm-hmm. but you don't push it back far enough. Mm. Right, and I'm inside trying to turn those levers mm. that are up by the visors. I get the one on the right, but the one on the left I can't quite do. So I decide, and this is a real '80s Porsche guy thing that I did not know. I decide to pull a little bit on that lever, right? Oh no! To make it go back. Did you know those levers come out? Yes, absolutely. And I punched myself in the nose with the oh. force of a bar fight right in front of my son. I went. Boom! Crack. I heard the crack of my nose, and I went into my seat like uh, like a like a white Irishman boxer. <laughs> Remember those bleedy guys yes. that would fight? Jerry Cooney. Me. Yes. That's what happened to me. The Spike Donovan, the Irishman. I you almost just... knocked myself out, and I broke my nose. Look at the side of my nose here. Can you see the bruise? Now this makes me happy. This isn't dumb. <laughs> this is this is entertainment yeah, for me. The dumb, again, the dumb dad part of it was my son watching. Of course, those things it come all out. happen in real time. Going, holy 
crap did I just see my dad did punch you get himself? tears in your eyes did you did it, did oh it? beyond I mean this is you know Jack took a fastball once to the face that you know and I was like god he got knocked out and he fell to the ground now I understand well the nose is sensitive that's why you get punched I, it. no it was beyond kind of runny nose I got a little blood I had a crack and I was disoriented <laughs> for about an hour <laughs> how was your weekend everybody we're happy to be with you um, Donald Osborne is uh, here today um, well we uh, I chatted with him uh, Donald Osborne of course from Jay Leno's Garage uh, you know Donald he's running the Odd Drain Automobile Museum on the East Coast there in Newport with Higgins and uh, Swiggins and, and Swiggins and, and Peabody. Peabody. Um, they've got a lot going on there that you're going to hear about. Um, and then I'm here with Zuckerman here on uh, what is it? President's Day. President's Day. Who's this? your favorite president? Uh, I don't think I have a favorite president. Really? I mean, I'm not. I don't really. I mean, I'm so happy for politics to be gone right now and for things to be boring again, and we don't have to talk about it. I think I, I remember reading about, look, I read about Abraham Lincoln. I really loved his biography, but what I loved about him was the things happening around his presidency, like before he was president. Like he was a, he, his nickname was the old log splitter because he worked in a lumberjack camp where he excelled at gander pulling. Do you know what gander pulling is? It's not what you're doing on a Friday night in your bedroom. <laughs> Do you know what gander pulling is? Isn't that getting a stump out? Uh, in these old lumberjack camps, they used to tie geese to a tree, and apparently Abe Lincoln was the best at getting on the horse and riding by at a high rate of speed and pulling the head off the goose. That's gander pulling. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that was well, apparently was, they didn't have any women around those lumber camps. <laughs> this is when uh, gander pulling <laughs> was first invented, Zuckerman, and I then it transitioned into what the the behavior we know today. <laughs> Just don't pull my head off. I like I like those stories. Benjamin Franklin, I've always been an admirer of guys who have a million different inventions. He didn't have really and, good hair. No, but he invented a lot of stuff, and he came up with a lot I of great ideas. I don't think he ideas. was ever president, though, was he? No, no, but a political figure of note, right? But That's a fa- true. his favorite presidents, I don't know. I, politics, you know, and people have may have the wrong opinion of me uh, and think that I'm a political person. I'm not. I was caught up in, the, in it like the rest of you, and I'm happy for it to be gone. I find it boring, and I'm happy it's boring again. Um, so no favorite presidents. You're not going to get a favorite president out of me. What about uh, the guy with the chicken in every pot? Who's that? I don't know. Was that Coolidge? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it was Calvin. Coolidge. <laughs> it was him. <laughs> what a weak what a weak tagline. We're gonna elect a guy who says a chicken in every a pot. A Porsche in every driveway yes. I pay attention to. Yes. Right? Don't give me a stimulus check. Give me, uh, how about four or five months on that Porsche Drive app? Give me that. Just imagine some guy coming today and say, I promise a chicken in every pot. Fuck your chicken. Get the <laughs> fuck away from me. Please, language, sir. Please, <laughs> let me pretend to tell you to watch your language so the listeners can get upset. Um, pretty fun day, though, out of uh, Cars and Coffee. Now, you know, Cars and Coffee in Malibu, you ask us all the time. It's They're still closing the lots. This time, they open one of the bigger lots a little sooner. I think in the next couple of weeks, all of this is going away. Our cases are dropping. It was all driven by the Board of Health. Um, but if you're, if you're there at the Malibu Country Mart on Saturdays or Fridays, you'd see how insane it is anyways. The line for lobster rolls is about 17 blocks. I don't know, but it's the hypocrisy that 
the car people can't go get a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning. You're going to be able to do that in the next couple of weeks. Probably starting next week, it, there's not going to be any more barriers. The police won't be writing any more tickets and we'll be back. In the meantime, uh, you know, Jay uh, and I and Matt Farah and you, we all like showing up at 11 o'clock when the gate it's opens a good time. up. And it's still relatively quiet there. There are a lot of cars in the parking lot. And what did you? I didn't see what you drive out. We had a nice little crew this weekend. I drove the sixty six. Oh, you drove the sixty six. Right. I drove the sixty six. It was perfect with yesterday. the A track. With the A track, Almond Brothers eat a peach. You posted no a picture way. of that, Grandpa. It's in your story I know today, I took Grandpa. The picture, but I didn't know know that was in the A track. That is such a great album. Holy yes. crap! Yes. What a moment you had. Jay drove his Pontiac Firebird. His Sprint version. Yeah. Six-cylinder, single overhead cam. And I had to say, that engine is a remarkable-looking engine. Um, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, you know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about that right there. It was John point. DeLorean who did, designed that. When he was running on Pontiac, he did a pretty good job. It was before the cocaine was happening. You know, cocaine ruins everything, Spike. It ruins everything. <laughs> we, he let me drive that car. This is how great Jay Leno is, right? He calls me Friday, every Friday at like five o'clock now. Yeah, we see, we're going to get together. They're like, yeah, let's get together. This will be fun. He goes, oh, I'm going to bring something you're really going to like. And I get really excited. Right. Like Saturday night, it's hard to sleep because we've seen. <laughs> it can be anything. Yeah, it's a giant, it's miles of collection with it the most amazing anything. cars. And then he has them there. And he's so generous with his time to tell you about it. But then he's like, let's drive them. So you were there, right? You saw me as but I was coming back. you remember he didn't recognize me. He forgot who I was. That's it's not surprising. It's hard with the mess. It's hard with the mess. No, he did that to me too. But uh, he, uh, we took it out on the road. He's like, let's just go. I could have driven all day. If it weren't Valentine's Day and I had to get back, I w- we could have just driven for two hours. That car, here's what happened, right? So I get in. It's a manual gearbox. It's uh, six-speed. Uh, you know, that beautiful blue color. He that's has a six-speed in there? Yeah. Beautiful blue yep. color. That's Sky a, blue metallic, you know, more or big, less. You uh, know, the back seat uh, that has the backs that down. go down that you could sleep on, right? And I'm thinking about West Bridgewater and my small town and how, you know, you we, man. we need this stuff, sucker. We need an American car. But I'm always stopped with the way these cars handled. Oh, and I start blasting through the canyon, right? Mm-hmm. And I notice as I'm taking turns, this car is not sinking. It's, it's not, not rolling. It's not, not frightening. rolling. It's not doing. It's handling. And I go, what? what's going on underneath the car? And he said, we've redone everything under there. It's a whole new suspension under there. And I will tell you, I will now buy an American car, an old American car from the 60s or 70s. I didn't know you could get. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know you could get, preserve what I loved about driving an old American car but that I'm not going to go flying off the road when I hit a turn oh, with speed. And I'm assuming, did he update the brakes? Yes. All right, so he's got disc And brakes. I did that too. I blasted off Piuma right up to uh, Malibu Canyon Road and hit the brakes hard, and it stopped like a modern car. It didn't do that triple, quadruple. <laughs> you didn't no, just the lock them up. They all, yeah. yeah, where they all grab at a different time. That's interesting. Did he tell you what he did to the suspension? He did. He went through it, but I can't remember he, all of it. Okay. But I, but I said, I, you, here's what I asked him. I go, how is this going to cost yeah. me an arm and a leg to do that? And he goes, no. That what we did to this is not a, a big deal at all. And really? I'm, I'm sure American car hot rodder guys listening are going, yeah, idiot. You, what do you want to get? Huh? Let's do something. 
And, you know, for me and you, and I immediately thought of you was this, you know, you get in it and you know that you get in, you smell home, you smell, you know, it's a good deal. And it, you know, there's a whole new world for us to explore. It really looked great. And And it, and it wasn't, it wasn't the fastest thing, but it would, you know, the tops down and it was nice. Another, you know, another memorable Jay Leno drive. They're, that show premieres in March, you know. We're, you're going to be on TV. Oh, God. Me and you. And Don't Zagato. watch. Huh? Don't watch. You have to watch. Um, All I think about is you laughing at me trying yes. to be in front of the camera, was- and you're giggling because I'm so <laughs> uncomfortable. I can't walk right. I can't talk right. I can't do anything Look, right. It ha- I have not been in front of a camera in a while. It takes it takes a couple days to get used to it. It's a uh, it's it's like being in a vacuum. It's, it's like daunting. being in that uh, vomit comet. It's it's just it is. You just have to adjust to it, and the only way to do it is to throw. And I realize in. you have to have such a quick reaction. You don't have time to think about what you're going to say. You need to say it immediately. The camera does not like hesitations yes. in speech. Yes, because you everything's a little slower, and you're always a little fatter. That's TV. You have to be 10% thinner than you want to be. You have to be 10% faster than you want to be. And then you have to be, uh, yeah. You have talk. to be on it. You have no, to be no, no. It. You have to have a 10% increase in your personality right. for it to come across right. normal. And you can't think about what you want to say because no. that hesitation is when you're going to look stupid. <laughs> well, you can't help that. That's just going to happen. I'm going to hit myself in the face like you. <laughs> <laughs> like a moron. It was good. It was good to get punched in the face, suck him. And I, I, you know, it hurt like hell, but it humbles you. And it reminds you, just be a humble human. Try to be humble. And if you're not, God or 82 Target will remind you by punching you in the face. Um, but anyways, uh, Jay's going to come on the show in a couple weeks to nice. promote the new season. We love him. He's great. It was a good day out there. And hopefully, you know, uh, we'll have that Cars and Coffee up and running Again, I get my second vaccine tomorrow at 11.50 a.m. It's amazing. And Tony Vincequera, our yeah. friend Tony, he told me that after one vaccine, after one vaccine, after 10 days after your first vaccine, you have almost all of your immunity. Yes. He said the second one is the one that makes it last longer. Yes. I get all my medical information from the head of Sony Studios. <laughs> you know what? He would know better than you. <laughs> Well, I am working on a project right now with a comedy writer who is a medical doctor as well. So we asked him. He said there's no data on that because that question was asked by someone who had been vaccinated and had their second vaccination. They said, when can I chill out? And they said, just wait the two weeks till after the second one. There's no, according to this doctor we're working with, who's in the Navy, there's no hard data uh, on anything before that. So don't trust it. Eh, I feel stronger already. I'm yeah, no, tell I know you, you do. I know you I, do. I feel, <laughs> I feel <laughs> you strong. Your face. I feel. Hey. I feel. You can feel your immunity, Zuckerman? Is that what you say? I'm telling you. <laughs> I am telling you that I feel. <laughs> of course, my... you feel relief. But you... <laughs> I love Laugh. the delusional look on your face. <laughs> your invisible. I'm, okay. Your antibodies. Um, you feel them. I'm combining hard facts <laughs> with magical thinking. My favorite. My sweet spot. Yeah. Yes. Well, how come I feel better and I haven't been vaccinated? I still feel I feel much more relaxed than I've ever felt. Is it just because 
You're vaccinated? Uh, I feel better that I'm vaccinated. You, whatever happens, is fine. <laughs> I'll be, I'll, I'll be, I can come to your funeral if you die. Jack, of this. my son, had the quickest recovery of COVID that I've ever seen. It was 30 minutes in my kitchen. I had a pizza. person I know <clears throat> tell me that she is making her own decisions about whether to get a vaccine because she is using her critical thinking to assess the data that she is reading this is a person maybe with a high school education and she's telling me all about the data and everything like that it was mind-boggling what what this person was telling me and at the end of this long diatribe about how the vaccine doesn't work how our bodies can cure covid how she's not going to be a human guinea pig how she's not going to let this affect her reproductive system, all of this stuff. She then said to me, and if you ever need a house sitter, I can house sit. And I said, but you're overqualified. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, a person with your knowledge of medicine, statistics, <laughs> virology, and immunology, yes. why do you want to house sit? Yeah. You should be working for, for the CDC. You should be yes. uh, running a hospital, something like that. It's misinformation enthusiasts. They're exactly. everywhere. Exactly. 5,000 years of medical mm. knowledge reaches a certain pinnacle, and all it takes is one internet article to topple it. it you know, I was going after some, by the way, have not been kicked off next door. I've been, uh, I've been. Why uh, don't you tell the audience how I've now been your like, uh, <clears throat> your ghostwriter for oh, next? Oh, that story. was a good one. That was good. Yes, I Dr. Wayne, you that. gave me a good line about. Uh, but I can't. I, I don't want to go into detail about what the person had written, but they had and who the person was. <clears throat> but they were communicating that they had taken a meeting with the German Chancellor. And where it was told a few things about uh, vaccines by the German Chancellor. And uh, how uh, people should not be required, or forced to take any vaccine, in let alone... in light of the German antecedents in yes. terms of forced medical experimentation. <laughs> so I, had, I called Zuckerman up and said, Will you, uh, do, do you know who this person is? What's going on with this person? <laughs> and you crafted a very funny legal response that had this guy retreating so fast to that. Get, 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 now you, that you brought it up, you got to tell them what you wrote. What was the? Idea? I think it was something to the effect of, "Sir, would you really have us believe that the German Chancellor called you on the phone and shared her innermost thoughts and feelings regarding tragic German history vis-a-vis the pandemic and inoculation, such that you could share it on next door <laughs> on the west side of LA?" <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Is that, that what, your cozy relationship with the and and she gave you permission? Well, yes, it, just, it was such a, an eloquent, perfect legal response to the guy, and he and commonsensical, and, and he's a doctor. The whole thing was dubious to begin with, yes, because of what doctor is out there doctor. dispensing information? There are a bunch of. And then he said, "I typed so quickly. I did not want you to believe my fast <laughs> typing, my fast lie typing. I, I was just, I saw something she said ten years my ago. Fast lie typing. My, he said I typed so fast, but it was lie typing. And my fast lie typing, I was just basically drawing inferences from something I had watched ten years ago yes. on TV. Yes, that's all it was. <laughs> all it was Nothing was fantasizing. Nothing says I'm insecure more than my meeting with the German chancellor, yes. which was most likely I saw them at a cafe when I was on vacation. Right. Remember, I, I told you about this doctor that started every conversation with me. Uh, he was a maniac, and he would say, Ah, oh, Paul, just, 
Just got back from operating on head of state and generals <laughs> in the military. Can't tell you who, though. <laughs> that, and that was another one. It was just pure lies. Led to your other uh, funny quote of that conversation, which was uh, being educated past your intelligence. Yes. <laughs> That's always, you may always deploy that Ferris and with somebody like that. And I'm not, and I said, and always my trick, I'm not talking about you, but this conversation is evidence That's that people can. That's the funny can, little thing, handle to put on any of these. I'm not talking about you. Not but, talking about you, but people can be, ed this is proof people can be educated beyond their intelligence. <laughs> which, you're covered, right? You're covered See, and just the person the is, is enraged and screaming and it will either provoke them into into a crazy response that will make them look as crazy and stupid as they are, or they'll just shut the fuck up. But, which is, uh, you know, just so you don't think I'm crazy, Zuckerman, uh, Vox wrote a big piece on how COVID-19 broke next door. Really? And it has nothing to do with my posting or talking about it, but separately across the country, people were getting booted off, like myself, for pointing out misinformation spreaders by insulting them, right? Using language. When So the article was all about how is it that information being spread that causes potentially causes people to die is worse than going, hey, idiot, stop that. Right. Isn't that interesting? Etiquette um, versus, I don't know, facts. Yes. We have to be nice but, about but it. But I've been on. Look, I'm on. You've been most on of, now for about, of, what, five weeks? Five weeks. Um, I've been quite polite. I've uh, I've insulted uh, here and there, but mostly things have quieted down, and the, and the app is back to being a fun little neighborhood uh, time. You know, remember, the only reason I got on at Zuckerman was I, I didn't want to go near the Twitter-Facebook mess. I just wanted to read stuff that was fun and lost pets and goofy stories about, you know, the weird gardeners and, you know, hey, whose drone is on my roof? I like that stuff, that mm. stuff. I, I would never go on that shit. All right. Well, as long as we're talking about the internet, let's talk about ExpressVPN. You know what's not fair? The fact that Netflix hides thousands of shows from you based on your location and then has the nerve to increase their prices on you. That's right. Starting at the end of this month, they're raising prices once again. Um, but don't cancel your subscription just yet and protest. You could just be smart about it and make sure you're getting your full money's worth by using ExpressVPN like I do. See what you might not know what's on Netflix in your country is completely different what's on what what someone in the UK is watching or Japan is watching. Using ExpressVPN, I get to control which country I want Netflix to think I'm in and I do this suckerman. You can pick even it, it won't help you in the United States, but I can pick what state that I'm controlling my internet through. Can we can we pretend we're in our fans' countries, Nepal, <laughs> you Croatia, Iceland, you Guatemala? Yeah, yeah. And once that internet, internet connection goes through there and you go to Netflix, it sees you there and a bunch of new shows open up. And it's crazy. Um, you know, right now I'm watching all sorts of things uh, from UK, uh, Netflix that I wouldn't normally get here because X ExpressVPN lets me change my location to watch it. Um, you guys have to get it. It's great. Uh, on top of that, it also just covers your internet tracks. All of your uh, internet traffic is routed through one hub, and lots of uh, traffic is going through there, so nobody can follow you around the internet. You know how you know? I'll tell you how you know, Zuckerman. Whenever you Google something and you're on ExpressVPN, it, it sends you one of those CAPTCHA things. It goes, we don't know what you are and who you are and where you're coming from. Really? Yeah. So that's the proof. Any Anywhere you go, it's like... 
We just have to make sure you're not a bot, but your tracks are covered. I love ExpressVPN. Well, isn't that what it's all about for your shoe fetish, for your weird things that you don't want people to know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's also about people just don't want to be tracked around the internet. It's about, you know, you're looking at uh, a coffee ma- maker and suddenly it's on every yes. single piece of your t- the technology. Phone, the phone. The other day, I was talking about refrigerators and Instagram yes. has been posting ads for goddamn refrigerators. I also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how, I'm getting some sort of ad for bags under your eyes and I don't know (laughs) (laughs) and I probably said look at those it looks like he's got coffee grounds under his eyes yeah 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 I I must have said so so anything I say I start getting I got hit with a couple today I can't remember what it was but I was just like god I was just talking about that a minute ago it was so specific it was some little keychain item and suddenly it was there on my desktop on my phone it was everywhere anyway it's not when you use ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash spike911. Expressvpn.com forward slash spike911. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only get access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth right now. Use my code and you will get three extra months free. Three extra months free. Expressvpn.com forward slash spike911. Three free months for you and i do use it it connects it's remember, great you turn on your computer zuckerman it just connects automatically and boom the only inconvenience like i said is nobody knows who you are so you might have to just prove your identity when you go to your facebook and in these other things but there's no more tracking do you remember in the 80s when we talked about vpls <clears throat> but what vpl no i don't know what that is visible panty lines Oh, God. You don't remember that? Do you know how many women's groups are going to be all over you on this one? (laughs) They're going to be after you. I'm reminding them of what the code word was that they would say to each other. I don't remember that. You don't? You know, um, I was... (laughs) (laughs) I have them today. I was out at the uh, track uh, last week uh, driving uh, Maserati's new collection of cars. The Trofeo collection. The Levante, the Ghibli... The Quattroport. Ghibli, not a Ghibli. It's not Giblet. The Gimlet? The Giblet? Ghibli. The the Gimlet? (laughs) Ghibli. The the Giblet. The Maserati Giblet. And we were out at Willow. Uh, I took the Lotus up there, which was fun. We turned that car in. You didn't put hardly any miles on it. I ended up with 1,100 miles on it. Once was enough for me. (laughs) And uh, I got that car up, I'll whisper it, up to about 130. On the open road up by Willow, really? there. You know, you know when. How you, did it feel? Huh? How did it feel at 130? It was great. You know, they have those long, empty roads. Yeah, there's no no one's there. There was a road. There was like three miles that opened up. Nothing on the side of the road. No telephone poles. No other traffic. Are you filming me? No, I'm not filming. Don't don't do that. Please. No, I'm waiting for somebody to text me. Oh my God! Listen, this is what he's doing, listeners. This is your this is your guy. He's barely paying attention to the podcast. No, I'm, no, I'm paying attention to the podcast. I'm not paying attention to you. <laughs> And you're sitting there talking about a man spread. If I look over at you, it's just disgusting oh, what I'm looking at. Oh, boy. What are you doing? Anyway, I opened up that car, and it was fun. Up your- <laughs> I, I missed that car, and I you know, I had a, an hour and a half each way in it, and I got up to 1,100 miles, and thank you, Lotus, for uh, giving us that car. It was great, and I look forward to everything you guys are doing after. I arrived, and they had just about 10 of these beautiful uh, Maseratis at Willow um, pulled in. They had the outdoor tables. They had the coffee set up. They had three professional drivers. 
and we were taken around the track in a variety of different ways to show off what the new uh, Trofeo collection can do. They also had that MC-20 that we couldn't drive. You may have seen the picture on my Instagram. That car is beautiful, Zuckerman. Um, that's their mid-engine supercar. There's going to be a cabriolet. There's going to be a coupe. It's going to come in under 200K, I think. Um, and I think it's pretty neat. I, I like that move by Maserati. Like this to me is where Maserati should be, right? Because you and I don't think about those cars. We don't well, think about buying where them. Where do you think is there is what is the future of Maserati? Well, that's what they were showing us. Um, so then we got out onto the track. You could take the Quattroport, the uh, the the Giblet, the Giblet, or the Levante out in the track. We did a launch control that was pretty great. We went around the cones, and, you know, that was what it was. But then we did follow laps, you know. Those are always hilarious because you've got a professional driver, and you're trying to get used to a car, and he's like, okay, let's go, and you're on the track trying to keep up. Um, I, as you know, love – I'm at a point where I make myself sick, right, by mm -hmm. driving too fast. You might be sick, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You make me sick, you too. You make me sick. Congratulations. Yeah. I hate you. Ah, I hate your guts. Oh, dueling Zuckermans. Here we go. <laughs> Z versus <laughs> yeah. that, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to strangle you. Yeah, I'll strangle you. <laughs> That's how I will undo you from now on, Zuckerman. But my a little electronic bracelet, once again, I turned this thing on. That worked. Perfectly. Nothing. I had zero. I had the thing jabbing me, and I went around that track at a high rate of speed. Nothing. Zero uh, feelings. I had an empty stomach. I had too much coffee. I did everything wrong. And boy, what a cure for motion sickness that thing is. It just gives electronic pulses on your wrist. It neutralizes some nerve that goes to your stomach and brain. And before you know it, uh, life is normal again, and you can focus on the driving. The uh, the the giblet is that what it is? The giblet. Ghibli. The the giblet was uh, great on the track, but really? sinking around the turns, I did not feel comfortable. Like after we did like three or four laps, and this is just my own personal lack of race training in a, in passenger cars on a race track, <laughs> not race cars on a race track. And I that's stopped. a that's a four door, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Quattroport, they were all four doors. And uh, it was fun. Amazing acceleration. But it's not a race car, and you're going at a, right. a nice clip. So it's just like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm tilted over a lot. You know, I like the suspension, but I'm leaning over. I just want to be sure you're cool in case we end up. He goes, you won't. You'll be fine. Um, in a lot of ways, you're going to have a little more trouble in the, in the Levante. Um, but just push it and stay on my bumper, and I did, and the cars were impressive. The, the suspensions in them were impressive. The steering was impressive. The speed was great. You know, my issues with those cars are, are the exterior-interior design, but I understand the people that dig them. They're just not, you know, they're just not for me. And then I got in the SUV, the Levante, uh, and I, I did a faster lap time of that. <clears throat> now, really? that was the one they said, you're going to lean over so much. But that, that SUV, I got around the track faster than the sedan. I can't explain it. I thought the suspension was way better and impressively better. And I remembered Matt Farrer saying, did you get, get it in the canyons last time I had it as a press car? And I said, no. He goes, wait till you go around to turn in that thing. And he was right. You know, you go around at a high rate of speed, you go around, and that thing just handles. Did that make you feel differently about that vehicle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's a whole new dimension for it. You know, an SUV that can do that, you're like, shit, that's cool. That, what that, you, what's the interior like on that? 
you know, they can feel a little. I remember getting into the last version. These were the 2021s, and they felt a, they looked a little cheap. But where you see the design concept going is in that MC20. When you get into that car and the kind of, uh, and I may have it wrong, but the you know the unfinished kind of carbon fiber, which mm-hmm. is light but looks a little plasticky. Like in the SUV, it looks cheap. It almost looked like an American car in there. But in the MC20, you're like, all right, now I understand it, lightness and everything else. You know, I don't know. To me, the MC20 is going to be the game changer for the brand. And once they have that flagship car going and desire from a a bigger audience, it might infuse into these lesser cars. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Absolutely. Like imagine Porsche without the GT2 RS or the 911. You you would you'd go, eh, I'm not so sure about the 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 you know you know what I'm saying the right. Cayenne or the Macan. Is there or, a relation between the Maserati SUV and the Alpha SUV? I don't know. I don't know. That would Ferrari be... makes the engine of these Maserati cars, right? Right. You can see I've done my research here. Well, we'd have to ask Farrah Lieberman. <laughs> He's a Lieberman of Farrah <clears throat> questions. Those guys were great the other way. Thank them for coming on the show. Oh, you know what I didn't talk about is uh, also uh, a couple of things. Um, Haggerty has a color survey out based on our notes on their color uh, data. Remember when they put out that color data of what cars sell and yellows and blues and the rest of it? And and I suggested on the air to uh, John Wiley, I think it is, uh, from uh, Haggerty. I said, hey, let's let's do a real survey about what is important to the Porsche community because it's not about what's selling and what color the cars were because that doesn't really talk about condition and the premium paid for color. The only way really to determine that, in my opinion, is a survey where the Zuckermans, the Firstons, the Seinfelds, all of you weigh in and go, I would pay 10%, 20% more for Gemini Blue or Mexico Blue. or Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What color families are more important to you? Air-cooled versus water-cooled, vintage versus new. So right now, um, Haggerty has a color, color survey up there. They sent me the link. It might be on their website, too. Um, you can you can uh, maybe Google it. I will also put it out today in my story. So check my story this week, and I'll try to leave the link up there. But, but let us know. Take the survey. It's six questions just about color and what colors are important to you. And I, I'm curious about that because I think the data points for the first uh, Haggerty thing were completely wrong. Oh. And I don't think yellow is the most popular and valuable color. I just not I by a long hunch. shot. Not by a long shot. Not by, yeah, not by a long shot. It's the blues. Um, also out in Malibu this weekend, Storm Saunders with wow. his new Metacycle, right? Which is their electric motorcycle. That was a surprise. Gorgeous. He had just show, you know he said you're going to be out there. I said yeah, I'm going to be out with Zuckerman and Jay and uh, Farah might be there. He said I'm going to bring the motorcycle out and you can take it for a spin, which I did. It's a prototype. Um, but wh- boy, what an incredible thing again. He, he he started talking to Jay and telling him, Jay was like, you got to come on the show. He's really good at selling this stuff. Um, the motorcycle, I think, is going to, you know, and again, it was a prototype, and I don't feel good. I, I don't think it's right for me to talk about riding it just yet, but I did take it for a ride. Um, but because it's a prototype and it's not a finished thing, I'm not going to tell you what it's like, but I, I will tell. It. I will tell you it's absolutely gorgeous. It's gorgeous. The design just killed it's the and, first time I've really looked at an electric conveyance of any kind and thought, I need that from a looks perspective. Yeah. That it really evoked a strong emotional response in me that 
I want to have this. And and, right. And, and it, you know how I feel about two, two-wheeled vehicles. But I looked at that thing and I was like, that is so fucking cool. I want one. Do you know why? I think because it straddles the world between bicycle and motorcycle very well like you could just as easily use that to tootle down the street because it's so right. light and small as you could to get on a highway and ride it because you've got blinkers and lights but there's and speaking to that instead of having a brake for the rear they have the rear brake like a bicycle right, right? you've got front and rear right. on your handlebars right. right there's no motorcycle that does that right. right it's a clutch usually on your left side so that's a little kind of psychological thing like hey i'm kind of on a bicycle and it's really light when you sit on it too it's it's 200 pounds at least the right. prototype is it's like a bicycle very light and the uh, the price point's going to be in the $5000 range right you He's can't gonna kill it you can't get into a trek electric bike for five thousand dollars as far as i know i remember Gonna pricing them it. maybe i'm wrong but i thought everything was seven to fifteen right now at trek i love i love how he designed the metal the finish of the metal yeah. the the surfaces the angles of the surfaces that little port to put your phone in yeah yeah on top really and then and it almost had like a long banana seat it reminded yeah, yeah, yeah. right like a schwinn banana seat it was really that's gonna have really a little more pretty. cushion in it that, right that, that it's gonna need but um you know it's funny you can see the toy designer in this guy and right. he you know all he's think he just thinks you can tell he's one of these elon musky guys without the kind of bad craziness in my opinion <laughs> do you know what i mean a genius that can execute yeah, yeah, on yeah. his ideas and he's our little guy he's our malibu guy who you know in 10 minutes is going to be this global force you can see it happening he's like a henry ford you know isn't that the ford you know it wasn't that the whole idea speaking of a chicken in every pot zuckerman yeah a car a, a car right? in every driveway a car in every driveway you can have it any color you want as long as it's black right and that's what this guy's doing he's like i want you all to have an electric bike electric motorcycle i'm sure he's thinking about electric cars i've heard he is but i want it affordable i want everybody to have one and i love that kind of thinking anyway uh our friend donald osborne is uh back on the show today i chatted with him he was uh snowed in in Rhode Island, um, and I wanted to connect with him to talk to him about a couple things, not just what's going on with Audrey, because there's a lot of exciting stuff going on there. They're driving a lot of new content there. They're having a lot of events. Um, it looks like uh, I'm going to be headed out there to judge the Audrey Concours this fall, which I'm excited about, but also just kind of get a lay of the land. But is there even going to be a Pebble Beach this year? What's going on with the car shows? I am told yes. Yeah, we, we talked about that. We talked about the value of cars in general. We had a nice conversation, and here it is. I've got Donald Osborne on with us. Donald, how are you this morning? I can see it's snowing behind you. Lovely. Exactly. It's a beautiful snowy day here in Rhode Island, and it's delightful. Yeah, I miss I miss those New England winters. It, you know, I can see it. Did you, did you make a trip to the Dunkin' Donuts this morning? In fact, I didn't, but I did have a nice uh, egg sandwich uh, on a Portuguese roll with uh, oh. sausage so, and cheese. So, Whoa. Yeah. Are, you a, a, are you a linguisa and charisse aficionado like I am? Uh, yes and no. I used to be uh, about, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago. Actually, right about the time I moved to California, my uh, stomach fell completely out of love with any and all things spicy. So, <laughs> those, those are a faint memory for me now, unfortunately. But there well, you are. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, 
I have lots of questions for you. First and foremost, though, I figured, you know, you, you're now running the Audrain Automobile Museum. You, there's a whole uh, line of media that's coming along with that, magazines and everything else, and, and, and YouTube content. But first, um, is there going to be a car season this year? <laughs> Absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, I, I can tell you, first of all, even though I've removed myself from the Southern California desert, um, there still is a car season now. In fact, you mentioned our, um, our digital uh, material. Um, on our YouTube channel, the Audrain Museum Network, uh, we post uh, two videos every week, and we started a small series called Winter Driving Fun. And uh, I recently, the one we posted today, uh, was me driving a uh, 1973 Toyota FJ40 um, Land Cruiser, and the one before that was me driving a 2016 uh, Porsche 911 Turbo S Techart. So you know, it's a great, it's a great all-weather car. Um, lots of power from low to high, um, adjustable ride height. Uh, it's just absolutely terrific. So just because it's winter and galvanized, so you don't have to care about it. Um, you know, just because it's winter doesn't mean that fun driving stops. Well, that's not <clears throat> really what I was asking. I, I wanted, is there going to be a Pebble uh, Beach Concours this year? Is there ah. going to be an Audrain Concours this year? D does the virus take another year of our automotive uh, Concours life away from us? What do you know? Okay. Well, I can uh, not obviously speak for the Pebble Beach Concours Delegates. We are busily planning a way for the um, second uh, Audrain Newport Concours and Motor Week. Uh, to be held September 30th through October 3rd. And um, we are optimistic. Um, I think that it pays certainly for me to be optimistic in life. And with the uh, course that the uh, vaccination rollout schedule is taking, which is obviously a lot slower than most of us would like it to be, um, I think that by the end of the summer, certainly I think that people will be able to get to a point of acceptable risk and they will come out for larger scale events. Now, I say larger scale. Do we anticipate an event the size of our inaugural event in 2019? No, we don't. I don't think that we will be in October in a place where we can put 70,000 people together in a place. We won't be there. Uh, it will be something different. I think it'll be something that will be as compelling in its way. One thing that we found last year, Spike, was that when we were fortunate enough to put together our cars and coffee events uh, last year, following the uh, guidelines of the Rhode Island state government, uh, they were by uh, reservation only, and it was limited to 100 cars, two persons per car. And uh, we strictly monitored on the outdoor sites, no more than 250 people at a time. And the response was tremendous. Whenever we put out the notice that we were having a cars and coffee, it fully subscribed in less than 10 minutes. And the people were so great to be out and be able to share car experiences. Um, and then last October, on the date that would have been our Concours, we did an 80-car tour, a 65-and-a-half-mile tour around the area from Narragansett on the beach uh, through uh, Jamestown Island, uh, around Aquidneck Island, and ending up uh, here in Newport at Fort Adams uh, for a nice socially distance-based lunch at the cars. And it was absolutely tremendous. And what we were really surprised and very heartened by were the number of people along the route who were in front of their houses on their lawns, on their porches, watching the cars go by, waving. And, you know, people want to be engaged. What happens 
you know, you're putting together this event. I can only imagine the logistics of it are just, you know, almost bizarre. You know, you want to have this car show. You want to have this concourse. What is the governing body of Rhode Island that says, all right, here's how we handle a car concourse? I can't even imagine they know what one is. But uh, 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 that's the first question. Uh, but how do you anticipate, like you're saying, like, no, we don't know where we're going. We don't know how many people are going to be vaccinated. I think the easiest part of this is people are going to show up and are feeling safer. Um, anyways, right now, just because we've, you know, most of us have navigated this without getting sick. So we kind of like, oh, I'll do this. I'll go outside. But how do you come up with that number uh, for it to make sense? And then what are the factors that that make it possible to go forward and actually do it? Do you know what I'm saying? It's a great question and it's incredibly uh, scientific, but with a lot of intuition. But there aren't Uh, many scientists in the car community. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Who is the scientist? (laughs) We put on white lab coats. (laughs) And uh, we, we meet in a, in a room with, with a big overhead light. Yeah, and, I'm your scientist right here, Spike. How you doing? Exactly. It's, uh, Dr. Leno is here. <laughs> it's going to be fine. It's going to be, be fine. fine. Um, it, it is what we do, Frank, quite frankly. What we do is we look at the numbers that we had in 2019. Mm-hmm. We look at the current regulations and we extrapolate where we might be. So, for instance, if we had an event where in 2019 we had... 1,200 people, mm-hmm. and we were planning to have 1,000 last year, we think, you know what? We can plan conservatively for 500 people. And if that's the case, then we'll go ahead and do it. And so we looked at all the events and basically looked at half capacity, which based on the fact that right now in Rhode Island, um, things are operating at sort of 35 to 40% capacity today. Got it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we think we're, we're being conservative and, and sort of accurate at uh, half capacity by October. It's going to be a free for all. I mean, once they let us do what we, <laughs> we want to do, you know, uh, you know, it's like, you know, it'll be car guy debauchery, I think. Um, you know, we've been trying to get our cars and coffee done out here. And, you know, it, it, it's so odd, you know, that Jay was showing up and we had Matt Farah. We had a group of people just showing up on Sunday mornings at the Malibu kitchen. And then the uh, the, the health department shuts it down because there are too many people. But if you go there on the Saturday before, it's more people with less cool cars <laughs> you know, walking around. And you're just like... I, I don't, I don't understand that. You know, what? what, what is that all about? Um, so, well, you know, I was thinking this morning, like, I'm, ex- you know, hopefully this summer I'm driving up the coast uh, to, along Big Sur, whatever part of it's open, mm-hmm. and going to a couple events. And, you know, I, I feel comfortable outside. I I don't go inside, but I feel comfortable when I'm outside. Well, Spike, you also brought up another point, um, again, which is what are the type of events that we will do? There will be car events. Um, One of the things that, uh, one of the new initiatives that we've just launched is our our drain motorsport division, um, providing track days, tours, rallies, uh, conversations with uh, notable folks in the the business. And those events have also proven to be of great interest to people because again, you organize a rally for 20 cars, 40 people, most of the time is spent inside your car. When you stop, you can distance yourself to your comfort level and for the safety of everyone else. So it's not 
a hundred thousand people standing together, shoulder to shoulder, <clears throat> watching right. a car race uh, mm -hmm. for two hours at a time. It's having a conversation with someone for ten minutes, and then you move on. So therefore, you get you know it, it lowers the risk for everybody, and also allows people to get out and do the things they want to do. Um, as I like to to also point out to people, if you were to speak to someone in 1999 and explain to them what we do when we go to the airport to get onto a commercial flight, they would not have believed you. <laughs> so you know we still get on. Well, we used to get on planes and fly, but things are different. We haven't stopped doing it. Right. Um, and so I think that all of our lives and all of our events will take a slightly different shape, but they'll still be the events that we do. They just won't perhaps look and feel the same for a while. What do you What do you notice about the difference between the East Coast card guys and the West Coast card guys? Do you see any discernible differences there? Well, since I'm far enough away not to be laser targeted uh, by all my <laughs> friends on the West Coast, I actually have to say, I mean, of course, I am an Easterner as you are. Um, I'm an Easterner and I grew up, as, as you may know, and, and, and many people listening to this may know, I grew up in Manhattan and in Queens. My family would buy their first car till I was 12 years old. So I didn't grow up with cars. And yet I became completely car obsessed. There is a passion, a deep passion for cars that I feel here in New England, especially among the, 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 the residents here in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, that I actually did not feel all my years in California. In California, I met a lot of people who were really enthusiastic about cars, who had great cars, but they took them for granted. Mm -hmm. Here, I think people have a deeper appreciation. First of all, there's a car season. So when you get to get into your car, it's a big deal. It's not just, yeah. oh, I'll just take the Speedster out for lunch any <laughs> Wednesday. You know, it's the fact that, you know, I can't take it out again until April. Right, you know? right. And, and, and that, I think, engenders a certain different kind of enthusiasm. Plus, there's the wonderful element of surprise in New England. Because you can live next door to somebody for decades and not know what's in that garage, not what's in that barn. All of a sudden you hear, oh, yeah, this guy's got a, a Jaguar C-Type. He lives just right up the road in Massachusetts. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, the surprise element here is also something which is great. People sort of like to hold these things like, like almost like, like a Japanese object. You, you open up the cabinet <clears throat> door. You right. look at it. You take it out. You you. you reverently worship it and you put it back in the cabinet, you close the doors again. As opposed to, you know, in Southern California where it's just like sitting out in front of your house. I would think it would be harder to drive some of the newer stuff. Like I can't imagine driving a McLaren around my hometown of West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, without being dragged out of the car. They go, who do you think you are driving that thing around here? <laughs> than getting stomped. <laughs> it, it, is, it is a very, very, it is a very, very funny thing. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> because there certainly are certain cars that have that seem to yeah, have certain characteristics. Right. Again, New England, as you well know, <laughs> that, is, that is basically sort of conservative. I mean, people may, might drive around in a hot rod, but they wouldn't drive around in a supercar. Correct, right, but right, right. Now, the strange thing also is, and, and this I find a slight parallel in with the time that I spent uh, in Asia working, where I was confounded by the people that I knew in Hong Kong or Singapore that had these amazing supercars that they could not drive anywhere. And uh, here in Aquidneck Island, there's some beautiful roads. The speed limits are 25, 35, and 45 miles per hour. So it is sort of slightly jarring to see, you know, a Koenigsegg driving down Bellevue <laughs> Avenue at 25 miles per hour. I think. Right. Okay. Let's throw at the point of this. Um, but again, that's part of that New England, I think, surprise. 
Uh, mm-hmm. There are more supercars here than you might expect, given sort of the general uh, tenor of the place. Um, but again, they make a bigger impact because, as you well know, you know, if, if you're out in L.A., uh, the, the way to get the great valet parking spot is not to show up in a new supercar. You show up in, you know, <clears throat> 1954 Buick Skylark convertible, you're very likely to get the spot over somebody who's got another McLaren. Yeah, yeah, right. No, that's a hundred dollar bill. That's <laughs> that's how you get the spot in L.A. Now, it's uh, it's a tw- it's it's a twenty for lunch and a fifty for dinner. That's what you do. There's no communication. There you go. I'm keeping the keys. That's how that goes down. And in um, the Dutch society, you just put it on your windshield wiper. All <laughs> right. Yeah. No one will steal it. Um, Audrain uh, mansions and motors. Motor Cars, Episode 2, Season 1, with Jay Leno, I was watching this morning. Tell us about this new show that you're doing that the museum's behind. Well, Mansions of Motor Cars is a really exciting uh, new project that uh, we've embarked on with uh, me and Jay and some cars and some great historic houses because architecture has long been a passion of mine. And frankly, history and Newport go hand in hand. You can't spend 10 minutes in Newport without looking at interesting houses. And um, a friend of mine came up with the idea of doing this. And I thought, hmm, this sounds interesting. And I mentioned it to Jay. And he said, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Why not? And, um, <laughs> I'll and so, do anything. What do you got? Exactly. <laughs> I'm here in Newport. You can drive around. Look at how it's fine. And he lived, um, I mean, he, he lives there part of the year, right? Uh, he's a resident. Yes, he has, he has a house here. And, uh, in fact, uh, his house, uh, Seafair, is featured in, uh, in episode uh, three. Of the yes. show. It's not really a house per se as a mansion. <laughs> I think. Well, it, to call it a house, <laughs> I'm sure it has houses around it, part of the estate, but. <laughs> Remember, we're in Newport where the Breakers is a cottage. Yeah, that's right. So, Jay's place is a house. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing because uh, as, as we go through the series, we've shot uh, 15 segments so far, the first series, the first season. Of six episodes, uh, we've got up to four now, and we'll be wow. posting more soon. Um, they look at various aspects of the houses. What makes the houses interesting? And what makes these cars, in some cases motorcycles, that we're looking at and driving in interesting? Um, because I think that there are a lot of people who have interests in uh, design, in history, in, in engineering technology that focus them just on cars or focus them just on architecture. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of, of cross-fertilization there, a lot of cross-interest there. I know I have it, and um, I think that it sort of sparked this in Jay, and the response from our viewers has been absolutely tremendous. Um, you know, they, they also like this strange combination of, of, of me and Jay, uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean the the scene I watched where where you're eating a nice breakfast with a glass of wine and Jay walks up with a pizza and just sits down in his t-shirt. It's the odd couple. You guys are the odd couple. Exactly. And, you know, we we also we live in a time where we <clears throat> we're all home and we love to go to Trulia and all these sites and look at houses and imagine, wow, what if I lived there, right? And that's. You know, Newport Mansions, I mean, we, we, you did that as a school child in New England. You made a field trip every year to do a tour of a different mansion, and you'd walk around going, my God, look at this place. You know, well, it's One a, of it's the a, things that we also try to do with the show is to talk about, especially here in Newport, and, you know, you heard it here first, um, 
<clears throat> this program mentioned the motor cars may actually not be limited to Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, but, that's interesting. Um, they're there because they're great mansions, great cars all around the world. Um, but one of the things that particularly interests me and I think has drawn Jay to Newport is the fact that Newport is living history. It's a place where these houses are occupied as homes. Each of the seasons we go to one public house. This season will end with a marble house, the uh, Vanderbilt mansion. But mostly all the other houses are private homes. So there are still people living their lives in these houses. And one of the points of the Audrain collection is the fact that, yes, we have a museum here. We want to show cars and motorcycles in the museum so they can be appreciated as artistic objects and historic objects. But we also make the point of using all the cars in the collection. We take them to events. We take them on tours, the Millamilia, London to Brighton, California Mille, uh, and we drive them. You know, every weekend we drive them, we drive them to cars and coffee, we drive them around, we drive them in these YouTube videos. And the thing is that these are living artifacts. That's the entire point of them. And these houses are also living artifacts. They're not a shell of something or a, a facade. You know, they're places where people live their lives. So you have access to the entire collection every weekend. That's your little hanger of cars. And how, how many cars? <laughs> well, <laughs> I know Mr. Seinfeld is out driving his GT2 RS in the snow right now in Long Island and sending us funny pictures. How <laughs> many cars are in the museum? Uh, the, give the me a number. The drain collections consists of about 425 wow. cars and motorcycles. Um, and we uh, house about a third of them here in Rhode Island, another two-thirds uh, at some storage facilities we have in Virginia, and they rotate back and forth depending on need, uh, needs of the exhibitions at the museum or events that we're doing, um, and we're constantly growing the collections. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough, we just uh, acquired an absolutely spectacular uh, Bissarini 5300 Strada, Wow. Um, and I was driving that last week, and that was a delight. You don't often get to drive a Pizzerini in the winter. Um, so that was fun. Not, not in the snow, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of those days in between. Um, and uh, that was a delight. And um, it, it's uh, something that's very exciting, especially right now. Our next exhibition, which is opening on the 20th of February, um, is called Balance and Power. The World on Two Wheels, 1885 to 1995. So it starts with some very historic bicycles and goes into the first motorcycles and up to the introduction of the superbikes. So we'll have about 63 um, two-wheeled uh, vehicles in the museum, and that'll be a first for us, an all-motorcycle show. We featured motorcycles in some of our other uh, car-centered shows before. This will be the first all-two-wheeled show that we've done. It will not be the last. And so that's going to be a very exciting thing as well. And so you're open for business in Rhode Island at a 35% yes. uh, you can come in rate. Yeah, it's for, for museums, the, the rule is uh, one person <clears throat> per 150 square feet. All right. Well, my last question. I know you uh, have a, a company, Automotive Valuation Services, that defines, revises, advises, and delivers. You do appraisals, uh, you check out cars, you do consulting. I would love to get your point of view on the birth of these sites, uh, like Bring a Trailer, which is now bringing 
the auto auction collector car to people on a daily basis. <laughs> you know, I get this question a lot. You're obviously a professional. Is it wise to buy a car from a place like Bring a Trailer? And if you choose to do so, like so many do, how do you protect yourself? It's a great question, and I have to say, as the financial analysts always say, I have bought and sold cars on Bring a Trailer, uh, so I can certainly say that it is certainly a safe and secure and, and sensible marketplace. But like any marketplace, you have to use it in an intelligent manner. I can buy a car from you in your driveway and not ask the right questions and do the due diligence, or I can buy uh, a vehicle online. Personally, I would not buy a vehicle online without having someone put their eyes on it. Um, and now that may not be possible, especially in today's world, uh, but nonetheless, there are things that you can do to make sure that you ask the questions that need to be asked and get answers that satisfy you. We were having a discussion before we started about another case with a, a transaction in a car, and it comes to the point of, uh, there's sort of a, a joke, and it's nothing to do with auction companies. It's how to read an auction catalog. It is not looking at what's on the page. It's what's not on the page. If there's something that's very specifically important about a particular car, that it have its original engine to, to really have the highest value, if it has certain options from new, if the ownership history is, is long or murky, anything that makes you uncomfortable, Buying a car is ultimately a, um, an emotional choice, but it's very easy to get caught up in auction fever sitting at home at your computer saying, oh, just one more bid, one more bid, one more bid, as the reset clock comes down. Like, oh, I'm not going to lose this. But you have to make sure that you've made your decision beforehand exactly how much you are willing to pay for that car, understanding that because you are not there, you should always reserve at least 10% of the car's purchase price to get it sorted. Ah, you're going mm -hmm. to have to spend something on the car because you're not there with it. Right. No, that makes sense. Boy, 10%. So there you go. That's a good metric. That's about right. Um, and judging from some of the folks I see with their new, their new bring a trailer car, that's exactly about right. <laughs> now, on the flip side of things, if, uh, if I come to you and your company and I say, hey, I, I have 65 mil to burn. I need the best GTO. <laughs> is is are you know in the past i've talked to guys who sell these cars and they say they know where every single one of these cars are and the old historic race cars 9083s 917s and they're just like just yeah i i can call the guy and find out right now what it's going to cost you to buy it is that how you know when you get into the upper upper end of the car market is that really true that there are a lot of these things are happily with their owners, but, you know, tap them on the shoulder and write them a check, you can buy it? Let's take the GTO, for instance. Absolutely. Without a doubt, it, it is, first of all, as you know, it's a very small and very thin market. Right. At any one time in the world, there are probably five people on the planet who have the interest and the wherewithal to buy a GTO. And it has to be that magical moment where one of those five connects with the one person who is ready to let it go. And at that end of the market, there's not a lot of negotiation. Someone doesn't say, well, I've got a customer for your car. What do you want for it? They'll say, well, I think it's worth 65, so I'll ask 100. No, because people have a very keen idea of what those cars are worth. If someone doesn't want to sell it, they simply say, I'm not ready to sell it. Because the worst case in that 
in that scenario would be they'll say, ah, I don't want to sell a hundred million dollars. Like, okay, great. What are the wiring instructions? Like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> what is the top end of the GTO market right now? I just threw that number out, but I, do you have I would any- probably say that the top end of the market for the most, and again, we'll get into this. This is a very interesting thing. I'm about to say something, which is an absolute, which I try to avoid, but for theoretically the most desirable uh, one, someone would certainly with the, with the means would pay a hundred million dollars for it without a doubt. There are actually cars that if they were to come to market would sell for a lot more than a hundred million dollars. Really? Um, if for some strange reason, um, Pussy Galore's Flying Circus flew over the uh, uh, Daimler Benz um, executive committee boardroom and somebody said, you know what, let's sell SLR 722. That's the car that could bring $500 million. Really? Absolutely. Wow. This is amazing. There's no end. It'll go up and up and up forever. And that's still cheap compared to paintings. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, look at you. You're ready. You're right there with that line. <laughs> Everything. There you go. I love that, Donald. Well, we love having you on the show, Donald. Thank you for coming back. Um, everybody's got to go check out the Audrain Museum. Just go to the site if you're locked at home and if you're lucky enough to be in New England, you got to check out the museum and all the content. These guys, you're doing a great job pulling this whole thing together. You Thank know? you very, very much. And. Hopefully, all things happen the way we want them to in October. I'd like to, right here in public, invite you to come and be a guest and a judge for us at the event. Would you come? I would love that. I would love that. Just make sure in my rider it says I have to have some Yoo-Hoo's and some Ipswich clams. (laughs) There you are. (laughs) Every day. That's it. All right. All set. Done. Thank you, Donald, for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. There you go, Zuckerman. Another great interview. <laughs> you like it? Loved it. Yeah. Some I days... wasn't there, but it was terrific. <laughs> um, yeah, the only thing missing was Swiggins and Peabody, because he's right in the heart of it. He's in Newport there. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what we do. Maybe we go there in October and we do Swiggins and Peabody sh- show. We really should. They want us to podcast from there. Um, yeah, you should tag along. We should, we should go there and do, do the podcast. I'll arrange that. We'll fly us out. We'll do a Swiggins and Peabody special episode at the Audrain Concours in October. <laughs> that would be <laughs> fantastic. And then we can we should pull in guys wearing like their Nantucket outfits and say, please, sir, please describe your outfit and where did you purchase these items? <laughs> sir, I don't purchase them. I have them. They've been handed down from generations. <laughs> Why is your collar up like that? What? Why is your why are your pants coral colored? <laughs> why Top do you look like one of those Jewish people? <laughs> yes, you and your nose. Please leave me. Get away, foul creature. I smell sulfur. <laughs> what does that mean? I That's smell- like the devil. The devil's oh. when the devil's in the room. Devils and Jews. You smell sulfur. Oh God. Oh boy. What a rich history we have here. Yes. <laughs> With racism going on in this world. It's a uh, wonderful place. Zuckerman's in the room. I smell sulfur. <laughs> so I'll be sure to tell Donald that yes, we're gonna come. They said, Well, maybe we can do a show about Porsche. The head of the Audrains loves Porsche. And I'll say, No, Zuckerman wants to do a show where we make fun of the people that come to your concourse and how they dress. I think that's a better yes. idea, Zuckerman. 
Yes. We'll sit, we'll we'll have a couple drinks and we'll make fun of the way people look in yes, Newport. <laughs> they can, say, from, they can say anything they want about Jews. I'll laugh. <laughs> what I suspect is uh it's uh, a lot of East Coast people who are just happy to have a car show on the East Coast. That's what I suspect we're going to see. My people my people, Zucker. I mean, your people, you're an East Coaster, no, too. No, no, the people that we were living in their world, Ferriston, we, we just were renting a little plot of land on the corner of their estates. Well, That's we'll find out if this is a blue-blooded event like Pebble Beach or if it's, uh, it's, it's open to everybody. Yeah, it's swath of life. Anyway, that's all the show we have for you. Um, hang in there, guys. We're almost out of it. We'll see you next week on Spikes Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.